Welcome to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com, dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. Serving leaders, managers, and people who will be, helping you reach excellence in your work and achieve your personal goals at the same time. Sign up for the free course at clearandopen.com. When you get to a certain place, when you're sufficiently out from under the authority of your parents and you have your own agency of being, enough of your own self-authority, and there's no other authority between you and life, well, then you can start to relate to life itself. Hi, it's Joseph, and thanks for tuning in to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com. We often talk about wrestling with our own authority issues, namely the issues we have with our own parents. This isn't due to some Freudian hang-up. This is because you can't truly practice self-authority until you do the work to stop unconsciously or consciously submitting to your parents' will. And when you make this shift, something incredible happens. You start to relate to life itself, to the universe, to the great mystery, whatever you want to call it. I offer weekly member webcasts, online courses, and mentorship at clearandopen.com because it's my truth that with the right tools, anyone can eliminate the people, money, and time problems holding them back in business. And I share parts of these webcasts and courses on this show because I want to help you too. If you're enjoying the show and learning from it, I'd love your feedback. If you're listening to the show on an Apple device, all you have to do is open up the podcast app, view the full description of this episode, and click the link to leave a rating and review for the show. Thanks so much for listening. Let's start the show. You know, with any kind of hierarchy or numbers, there's a propensity to think of, you know, as flow being better than thrival and just throw all that away. It's because everybody's on their own journey. And Kurt's not working with his father. You know, if he was having to do that, he'd probably be working on thrival issues still. Because while you're under the thumb of a parent in that way, it's... You know, I, I didn't really think about this before, but I think thrival is where you work out your remaining authority issues. I never thought about this before, but this model keeps expanding because thrival is all about the bringing your personal will to the upper limit. And so that's a self-authority issue. You, def- you find your self-authority issue uh, you find your own self-authority by working through your authority issues. Because if you still are wrestling with an external authority, your your self-authority is not going to be able to fully express. So, so have, I, I don't know if this directly correlates, but as you guys have been talking, what's been running through my head today, and so I guess if you can tell me if this correlates. So I have four kids. I have bookend boys with two girls in the middle. <laughs> And um, my son is, uh, my oldest son is 15 and my youngest son is four. Whoa. My oldest son, I raised him very much mirroring the disciplining tactics of my parents, which about, yeah, which about 10 years ago, I started to dramatically dial back. I remember one day I was gardening and my wife walked out. And she caught me like, crying in the garden. And she's like, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, you know that I've been raising, I, I've always hated the way my parents raised me. And I've been doing, using these same tactics on this poor kid. What the hell's wrong with me? Why would I wow. do this? 
So then I really started to kind of try and journey out of that. And I'm, I'm pretty far out. So my youngest son resembles a lot of my personality traits. I see a lot of how I was as a little boy in him, you know, where my son, my youngest is very happy go lucky, but has a temper like a, it's a, it's quick and deathly like from zero to 11 immediately. Uh-huh. And uh, it's incredible how much fury can come out of this little body. He's so pissed and he doesn't even know how to put it in, in, in words. He just hates everything about everything. Wow. My, my, my natural, my knee jerk is to do what was done to me, which was swiftly put you in your place and like cut you down. But what I've been doing lately is it's kind of like that, you know, when you like code and conversations with like pineapple or whatever to kind of get you out. Uh-huh. There's, this, there's this Wilco lyric that says attack with love. Right. So then every time he gets into this and I'm about to engage in what I know how to do, though that phrase has been coming up and what I've been doing lately, whether or not it's right or wrong, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know anymore. And this is my fourth song. I'm clueless four kids later, but still. <laughs> what I've been doing is telling them, I love you. And I jump on him and I'm just giving him these, like smother him with hugs and kisses, like something ridiculous. And he's fighting me and he's fighting until eventually he starts laughing at me. And then the whole thing just becomes ridiculous. It's a love bomb. It's not until like maybe 20 minutes from then, because he still has all this rage there. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. So um, you know, I'll continue and I'll continue and I'll continue. Then eventually I'll let him go and, you know, filter. I'll let him process through that he's angry. Mm-hmm. But later on, you'll see him come back and he'll, he'll give you some sort of affection. He's not going to say it. He's not going to come out and say it, but he'll, he'll hug you or he'll come back and want to play with you. He'll engage. And I find that that time that it takes him is becoming less. I still haven't gotten a handle of, of that rage that comes over him. And so I don't know. I wanted to share that. That's kind of what has been running through my mind. Which I, I don't. I I find myself looking at that a lot lately because of the dynamic I have here at work. So I find myself really holding a mirror to myself with my kids, with all of these expectations that put on my dad. You know what I mean? But I don't know. I thought I'd share that just because I don't know how that correlates in this. But <laughs> yeah, you. I mean the the picture of you crying in the garden and realizing what you'd done to that child is such a a powerful image of, well, your own sensitivity, your own heartfulness, your own introspection, and relating it to the map, that's finding your own self-authority and evolving out of being under the thumb of your parents, right? The only reason people would raise their kids like their parents did was because they're still submitting to the authority of their parents unconsciously, innocently. So because they still, unless they consciously think that what their parents did was right, which is not usually the case, you know, they hadn't thought of it any differently, but that's, there's, you're still under the thumb of, of one's parents, you know, and I don't know when that ends. I still hear voices in my head that sound like my parents. I still do things like my parents, catch myself in that way. It's, it's an asymptote, right? You just keep working on it forever. And I think when you get to a certain place, when you're sufficiently out from under the authority of your parents and you have your own agency of being, 
enough of your own self-authority and there's no other authority between you and life, well, then you can start to relate to life itself, the authority of life itself. Now think about that, why that makes sense. Because the ultimate authority of life, we can call it the universe, spirit, consciousness, awareness, God, Allah, whatever you want to call it, it's all the same to me. It is an authority, reality. It is an authority. If you have not completed sufficiently your issues with your parents, what do you think is going to happen with your relationship with God? Projection. Uh huh. You're going to project the hell onto it and then make up all sorts of stuff about the nature of spirit awareness. I wish there was one word I could say. I'm, I'm using the word God these days, but I know that can be, that's a, you know, only the most loaded word there is, right? So it's maybe not the best word to use. Spirit, the universe, awareness, love, God, the ultimate, the divine being, the Elohimu. The great mystery. I heard a Native American say that. That's nice. That is nice. Great. The great mystery. I like that with a capital. I've heard source lately. Source. Yeah, it's a little cliche for me. Source is kind of mid nineties. I like the the great mystery. (laughs) The great mystery. Whatever term, it's like it will get ruined eventually, and we'll have to come up with another one. But yeah, it's great mystery. So in in our projection, we make up all sorts of stuff about it. And we're not actually relating to it, just like when you project on your boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever. You're, you're not really relating with it. And so, so that's why you got to make peace with your own authority, your own agency of will. Find everything you can out about it in Thrival, push it to its limit, and then see what's still missing. That's what precipitates the surrender in flow. Where you go, oh, okay, great mystery. I gave it all I had and I'm still miserable. I'm still lost. I need you. I don't know what you are. I don't know what I'm doing, but I need you. As opposed to not really pushing yourself and believing in something to get you through the day instead of believing in yourself to get through, get you through the day which creates a distorted relationship with the great mystery where you never find your own self-authority. Therefore, you never have to shrug off the authority projections you have with your parents or your teachers or your boss or whatever. And then you will never experience the divine being directly. It will always remain a belief. So I know what having faith feels like. I always seem to take back my will though. Um, when you say having faith, what do you mean? That there's, there's something more working than just me and trying to control everything in life. Mm-hmm. The surrender is a feeling that is incredible for me. But as soon as I felt that, and it was completely, it was just saying, I cannot do this. I'm done. Like what you were just saying. I'm done. I, it's, it's you. It's all you. Just, you know, I give it up. I'm yours. Basically, with the words out of my mouth, I'm yours. Yeah, I remember you talking about that. Yeah, and, and when that happened, it was such an amazing feeling. And, 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 and then 
like I described it to you, it was further and further away every day. I was getting further and further away from that feeling. And, and, you know, and then I was reaching for it and grasping for it. And then it really, Mm, yes. Okay. So we got about 10 more minutes. I I want to transmit something here for you, Kurt, that, that I think will help all of you, but um, specifically for where you're at, Kurt. So when you said after that moment, after that day, you were further and further away from it, it seemed. Is that true? It can't be true. Yes. Okay, so there's two assumptions I want to invite everyone to make about the great mystery. One, it's experienceable and does not require belief other than to get you to experience it. Okay, it's experienceable. It is something you can experience. And you don't have to be special. You don't have to be... Jesus or Muhammad or Abraham or Moses or whatever to get to experience it. Any human being can experience it. That is number one assumption. Number two is it's always there. It's never not there. Choose your tradition for the right words. Omnipresent, omnipotent, and there's no more of it in a church than there is in a gutter in Calcutta. How could there be? Because it's everywhere. Does the church help you focus on it? Okay, cool. But let's not pretend that there's more of it in one building than another. How could that be? Right? But these kinds of things, when we build buildings and say, this is where God is, it enables us to feel separate from it sometimes. Because they think, well, there's the gods over there in the church, and here I am over here. I got to go to church more to get some more of that God. Well, that doesn't make any sense if it's omnipresent. And, and it's unfortunate that we have a lot of conditioning that sets it up so that only special people get to experience the great mystery and only in special places. And you suck and you're not special, right? And it hooks to shame. And therefore, you're out of luck, aren't you? Right? So return as often as you can. It's already here. In enlightenment, in the Zen tradition, the way uh, the teachers I like talk about it is to, to think of it this way Who or what in you is getting enlightened? Are you getting enlightened? That doesn't make any sense, right? If we're talking about a kind of God realization, then how does it actually work? Is it that you're going to change into something else? Or something in you is going to change into something else? That's the picture we have, right? The picture, the seeker has this picture that there's something missing here and I need to get it. Yeah. I had it once. It was amazing. And then it went away. Well, what if that whole story isn't true? Because if it's real in you, then how could it ever go away? Right? If great mystery is in all places at all times and all things, and you had a moment or an hour or a few days of getting to experience that, what happened not what what happened was not that it went away. It's still there. But 
the very frame of it went away or I got farther and farther from it is not just unhelpful. It's completely misses the mark. It's untrue. You can't be out of it. It's already there. If you think it's somewhere else, then you're going to be on an additive, constructive path to try to get there rather than on a subtractive path to see how you're getting in the way of it. It's right here, right now. It's in the stillness that surrounds everything. It's the space that the space in the room is in. It's in the stillness of your heart. It's in the movement of your breath. It goes nowhere. It only waits for you to notice. So the real question is, what stops you from being with it? Thanks for listening to Manage to Engage, the clear and open podcast. Join us next week when you'll be a little bit closer to who you're destined to be. Until then, know that Clear and Open is dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. If you want to help the show grow, I'd appreciate you leaving a rating and review on iTunes. All you have to do is open the Apple Podcasts app, view the full description of the episode, and click the link to leave a rating and review. Or you can go to clearandopen.com slash review, and it will bring you to the right place. If you're looking for more support on your journey, head over to clearandopen.com for even more tools, articles, and free resources. Thanks so much for listening. Bye for now.